0: Hello and welcome to the Game Dev London podcast, a community of amazing people who love talking about and sharing their love about the details behind making games, whether or not they're actually based in London. I'm your host, I'm Oscar Clark, he, him, pronouns, and I am on a quest to understand everything you want to know about game dev, but never dared to ask. And I am delighted today to be joined by Brandon Cole. Brandon, nice to meet you. Tell us all about yourself and, and your background and, 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 a, and a little bit about Into Games, please.
1: Amazing. Really enthusiastic in and intro there. I really love that a lot. Huge <laughs> thank you. Um, I'll get you hyped up. Don't worry. That's my job here. <laughs> oh, you've done a brilliant job so far. I am ready. Um, so as you mentioned, Oscar, and Brandon. Um, I work over at Into Games, uh, one of the founders of the organization. He was the first person to join after Declan CEO joined. I've been there for... Coming on about three and a half years now. Uh, My background before that, not a huge amount really to tell. Into games was my first foray into the games industry, but had some work before that really working in social enterprise. So service design, supporting organizations who want to have uh, bigger, greater social impact, working with education to better build relationships with employers and improve outcomes for young people. So my background really is actually in kind of social impact, social enterprise and supporting vulnerable groups. And found my way thankfully into to, um, games in the creative industries, which is really a nice marrying of the things I love.
0: But let's pursue that because uh, you've come from that kind of social enterprise kind of mindset. You, you know, you're you clearly passionate about uh, how do we make sure we look at. know, skills, diversity, engagement, opportunity, there's a whole bunch of really powerful stuff, but why games?
1: So I think initially, actually, for me, you know, I had a a real passion for games as myself as a young person. and the creative industries more widely you know i've been a writer for you know all all of my life and studied film at university actually really into the kind of like um film theory so you know understanding the kind of like political religious gender implications you know what what films can tell us about the world so i've always been someone who's been a real lover of the arts and games for me i think partly because i think i i really like the fact that it was an industry that wasn't taken seriously and i really liked talking about how perhaps it should be from from both a business perspective now more so but at the time from an artistic perspective you know but Um, you say that
0: i mean this is the thing is that we we here we are we are the single largest form of digital entertainment on the planet single largest you know we're bigger than you know uh, music movies um you know combined you know um uh, there was a point where we were bigger than home entertainment music movies in fact there was more um it was more video game content viewed online than hbo netflix uh amazon prime etc combined and yet like you say we're not always taken seriously as an art form let alone as a commercial um, endeavor there are still I, I still know people who get told yeah that game thing you're doing when are you get a proper job
1: exactly yeah you know and we're still battling that on all fronts as an organization you know from the early stages of a young person first finding out that you know, a games career is possible, you know, all the way up to trying to kind of fight for the legitimacy of the sector, at you know, a national and policy level, you know, at all areas, the games industry isn't being taken as seriously as it should be. And I think there's a few reasons why that's the case. But in terms of kind of my initial like interest in games and wanting to work in games, it, it came from the artistic perspective. And yeah. and as I started to work it into games, I was really kind of drawn by the idea of the fact that, you know, ultimately it's one of very few industries where somebody can make a, a steady salary as an artist or a steady salary as a writer you know it's a definitely a you know you know a difficult industry to break into but actually for you know a young person what an exciting prospect that they can actually find a steady job where they don't earn a decent wage and they can they can follow their dreams of being a, a character artist or a concepts artist or a writer or any of these amazing creative endeavors and you know i'm all for if anything you know widening the opportunities for for young people to be able to kind of like explore their creativity so that's the kind of thing that really interests me about games I,
0: I i'm with you i mean we actually had um uh, michael from rising games who's um an fe educator uh in cambridge uh, you know so fe level uh training it's interesting hearing we were talking to him about like how do you train somebody to be a games person but i think what's interesting for me is we're going to wear if we look at this as a chain of activity i i'm a massive fan of what you guys were doing with the Kickstart scheme. I mean, it's genuinely huge, huge fan. And the fact that there's not government support for that at the moment, if I understand correctly, is gutting. Utterly gutting. Honestly, we had the best interviews, the most diverse interviews. We took on two people. And we're a tiny, relatively tiny people. We're like 12, 14 people. I think we're 14 people now. And, and we took on two people uh, as Kickstarter schemes and we kept one of them on. And they are an aspiring producer right now, right now, because we were able to take them on, give them the chance to get started and just be sure that they had the skills or get, in fact, to be honest, we were being essentially having their salary covered for it 24, 28 hours a week or something. I think it was. And that then meant that we could have that person ready. Primetime and be able to you know work with us Um, so to my mind you nailed it with the uh, accessibility for students Um, I mean how did you feel that scheme went Um, do you think we'll see something like that in the future?
1: yeah really interesting so just to add a bit of context there as to the yeah. kickstart scheme essentially it was you know a, a big government-backed program um, that happened at the start of covid uh, essentially to try and basically bring a huge influx of entry-level talent across the UK in, in various different sectors and to basically do some risk mitigation for organisations that perhaps were worried about um, you know, taking on entry-level talent at a time when business was, you know, there were, there were concerns about you know, uh, the future of different organisations. Uh, and essentially that covered, as you said, 24 hours a week at minimum wage and then employers could top that up, either top up the hourly rate or top up the hours. Um, and we essentially acted as like a gateway to that specifically for the games industry with some support from from UK to manage that as well. Uh, we actually have we actually have a report coming out soon about the impact of that. And and I think actually across the UK that supported just over 200 entry level roles into the UK games industry. And when you compare that to TIGA's um, report that they did around um, the number of people that started and the growth of the industry over that period, I think it actually accounted for something like nearly five percent of the entire growth of the industry came directly from the 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 kickstart scheme and you know that must be a huge percentage of overall entry-level roles in the uk games industry at that time so you know and 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 looking at the data actually a significant percentage of those still work at the same organizations and and we saw teams from major uk studios as well as tiny three-person indie teams the vast majority of all who kept people on so i think it was you know just that case of like organizations needed a little bit of that risk mitigation you know they just needed something to get them over the line to say yes essentially but i think
0: it's than um, actually and i go back to the, the the talent that we got to see had we had the bandwidth we would have taken on more but we just couldn't but i literally cannot stress how good it was to have some really good diverse talent people who didn't look like me in the room people who didn't necessarily come from the same economic um, kind of uh, status that my gr- my background my childhood had to offer. Uh, not that I was particularly you know. I'm classic middle class. We weren't particularly wealthy, but um, the point was that um, I we've been able to see much more um, people from a more working class, more kind of um, a diverse backgrounds, as well as diverse identities, and that has been massive. Now they were. This is, I suppose, where we, in some ways, maybe games is a little bit caught and we are not great. Um that's not true, that's not fair. We're not as good as we should be, let's put it that way, in terms of diversity. And I one one of the contributing factors I suspect is educational bar. There is an educational bar in games. Is that is that a fair assessment?
1: yeah so i think there's a huge amount of, of factors as to why it isn't as good as um as it should be and I, I definitely agree with you the kickstart scheme is great at bringing in a lot more kind of diverse Honestly, best workforce that, at that level. Um, you know every single person that came on through that scheme was age 16 to 24 and on universal credit before they got that job um so i i think definitely there is an aspect to um the diversity in the industry being related to, uh, as you said, a very high bar and standard that's set. Um, but I think it's it's important that we need to move as an industry past, past that and bring into the discourse, like the fact that, you know, we're, hitmarker just released a report recently that said that they've recorded the lowest ever entry level roles available in uk games something like 8.5 percent of of current roles available in uk games are entry level which is really low across the creative industries more widely so this is like you know not an exclusive to games problem but in the creative and tech industries definitely games are kind of one of the the kind of leading culprits and also the fact that there's, there's there's a belief that to work in games, you have to understand how games are made and that you have to have had previous experience in that field when, in actual fact, there are so many transferable skills from other sectors and, you know, the industry desperately needs great producers and there are so many great producers and project management uh, project managers uh, from across various sectors that would be brilliant in games but that aren't getting noticed. It's because...
0: an interesting one, though. I mean, uh, let's, let's, let's dive into that program, uh, project management meets um, producer thing because there is... a. Uh... I think there's a bunch of, of kind of questions about how a game needs to be made, which I think actually the transferable skills from games to other projects is actually probably stronger, I would argue, almost than coming the other way. Just my personal take on it. But the producing is really interesting. So I've worked with producers who came from, say, Film or they've come from mainstream IT. I've actually done, back in, before I joined games, I, I was involved in designing uh, kind of platform tools actually I did a lot of work with telcos even when I first started in games I was designing um, telco grade um, delivery platform for mobile java games back in the day and, and before that I was working on uh, an online gaming service on wire play uh, on up um, modems yes I'm that old but the approach to program management approach to project management in more mainstream it conditions is incredibly different and often needs a very different mindset and personality type so when you're when you're talking about the kind of like the the, the it's I, I would argue there's something about the te- technology bar sure and there's a, but there's also a culture bar what is it i'm trying to find the right way to word it because I think there's something about the way the Kickstarter Scheme approached it that meant that those barriers were able to be got got over because of the space we then had to be able to find the right people, the, the types of people who would fit into our, in our case, our culture. Now that was people who loved games, people who wanted to understand how to make games very different from if i wanted to say a coder we didn't take on some people maybe who would have a more kind of structured way of approaching things so again i'm, I'm probably ramming a bit now but do you see where i'm coming from is like is it okay that we have a cultural need of the way we operate um or is it that
1: we're overly protective about the way we look at these things sorry does that make sense uh, yes, it does completely. And, uh, and I think it's both. And, you know, this is coming from my perspective of I'm not a game developer, but I'm in yeah. a privileged position where, you know, I, I work with studios from the largest to the smallest and, and have probably more privileged access to how they work and how they do things and operate than, than most. Yeah. Um, Uh, from across the UK. So from from my perspective, I think it's both a good thing and a bad thing. I think there's an amazing element to the fact that the industry is, you know, collaborative and creative and has this culture around, you know, we enjoy what we do and we enjoy what we make and we, we consume the thing that we make ourselves. I think that's an amazing thing to be behind that and to love that. And It yeah. doesn't exist in many, many industries at all. Um, so I think that's incredible. And, and I do think that that plays an element into why the games industry largely cares a lot about volunteering and supporting education, because there's that, that desire and that passion to share back the thing that they love to others who also care about it. I do also think that it, it is a crutch in some way because I think it is closing off people who could be great for the industry who feel like they can't get into it because they don't fit the right mould of what the industry wants. They're not so I one think of it's us. a shame exactly when there's people out there with the great both soft and hard skills to be able to work in games who you know may be aware of games and enjoy them but wouldn't consider themselves a you know gamer tm um that would be brilliant in the industry you know i know a few really great concept artists who work in the uk games industry who do not play video games they don't play games but you know for them you know being a concept artist in the games industry is the best way for them to be able to explore new ideas to work with a collaborative and creative team you know to to work to these awesome creative briefs where they get to explore various different worlds that you just don't get in any other industry so i do think that there's some lessons to be to be learned there and that you know the industry is missing out on great people from an expectation that they should have i'll give you an example i mean
0: one of the i know the particular place where we i was doing some work where. They had artists who came from an architecture background and they were making 3D models in an architectural mindset and in an architectural context, you're not really worried about the efficiency of the design. You're not worried about pixel count. You're not worried about multiple objects in scenes. So, um, how <laughs> um, so was anyway, they, they, So this, this particular uh, arc came in but because it was designed by people who hadn't got that background they didn't know the tricks. They didn't know the efficiencies. They didn't know about simplification and, and count and polygon count and the impact that that has in a real-time process. It's less so nowadays than it used to be, but you know, culling um, triangles is not something that was automatic at the time. So hours and days were lost in the process. But we are getting better at the tech. The tech is becoming more accessible. The tech is. Yeah, the particular skill sets are trainable, I would argue, and so I think what what I'm trying to get to is: is is are we good enough at sharing those insider tricks? I mean, how much share? I mean, I think we're quite a collaborative space, but are we helping create a transition between I can know how to do the basic tool to I know how to do it in a good way to knowing how to
1: do it the best way? yeah so i, I think internally and in, you know in an, as an industry once you're in i think definitely very good people like are very good at sharing knowledge and 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 the tools and the tricks of the trade and the things that they do i think the, the 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 problem is or the you know the challenges is i think that um the there isn't this uh, there's an expectation that when somebody comes into a job in the games industry that they know exactly what to do and that they can start doing it straight away And there's various reasons, partly cultural, partly due to things like project milestones, deadlines, budgets, all of those things. Um, You know, and and again, I don't think that that's a, that, you know, those problems can be solved, I think. But there's an expectation you have to know exactly how to do everything from day one. And that there is some learning and some things that you do along the way. But actually, I think that there needs to be a a better and more embedded culture around learning and development. And the idea that we can bring people in from different industries and different parts of the creative industries are out with, and know that we can teach them the skills that they need to be able to work efficiently in the games industry making games because actually bringing an architect in as you said you know like level design level designers learn from yeah. architects you know they they learn that trade well, that process of how whole buildings US. are designed
0: in architecture which uh, i only started to get my head around when i was working on playstation home the idea that actually the this, the spatial world is an incredibly informative uh you know process and and looking at flow, looking at movement, looking at space, looking at, you know, uh, a whole bunch of things. Even just like, even if it was just basically over there, there is a thing that looks like a, 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 a fancy playground. There's a thing over there that looks like a castle. There's a thing over there that looks like a jungle. I immediately know if I want to go find a game, where I'm going and what to expect.
1: I don't have exactly. to be told. Exactly. And architects and city builders and planners have been doing that for hundreds of yeah. years and game yeah. level designers have been doing it for 25. So yeah. there's a missed opportunity there, I think, in bringing folks in and in the same way, kind of talking about producers and project managers. Yeah, sure, there's tools that you need to learn how to use, but you can teach somebody how to use a tool very easily. But you can't teach somebody the collective knowledge they've learned from a different sector overnight, you know, bringing these people in with fresh ideas, fresh understandings of how to do things is, is how you create better things. It's how you you create you know better fairer kinder organizations that do more interesting and progressive things and and kind of going back to the original thing around like the leg- legitimacy of the games industry i think part of the reason that's been held back is is because of that you know like yeah. it it doesn't it, it doesn't you know accept and acknowledge and and soak in the ideas and concepts and ways of working of other industries in the same way that other parts of the sector might which means that it it, it can be you know often people in the games industry think that they know how to do things best for them and that they need to build something specifically for the games industry because it has its own special exclusive challenges which in some specific cases it does but actually many of those challenges are shared across many other industries and better discourse across those would actually i think create you know a, a better more legitimate industry that understands its big challenges uh, much better
0: I'm complete with you. In fact, I mean, I'm sure I've said it on this podcast many a time, which is, you know, we deliberately recruit for people who don't look like me, because I don't want to be sat in a room of me saying agreeing with me. I want people who are going to challenge me, people who are going to come at it from a different angle, who provide. And as you said, the creativity that comes out of having different people in the room, not removing the echo chamber. I think is a really incredible. Now, you've got to have a common set of endeavors you've got to have a common target goal understanding what success looks like but that's what leadership's about that's what you know you know good structures are about and you know unless you're inviting in and frankly taking a honest view of what we're trying to do and why how on earth can we provide games from a, a global audience because that's what we're doing If we don't have a global mindset, yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. And I'm glad you touched on leadership as well, because I think that's another kind of challenge to the legitimacy of the games industry and some of its current challenges that it's facing. Is that actually the games industry really needs great leaders and great managers? Uh, It doesn't understand, I think, quite yet how to. uh, It hasn't quite matured enough yet to understand that you know, like. Being a great manager and being a great leader does not mean being an experienced developer, uh, and that there's many people who <laughs> yeah, but there's so
0: can... many industries that fail on that one, aren't there? I I, yeah. I it's interesting. It, I actually genuinely like that you brought that because it takes me back to a conversation I had in BT, British Telecom, of all places, where they were just trying to get their heads around the fact that um, the only form of progression they had when you know at the time was that you would progress as a manager you couldn't progress as an expert in your field so what happened is you had people who are really good programmers or really good at something specific and then you stop them doing the thing they're really good at and you get them to do something they're really not good at i mean it is the peter principle you know you are promoted to your uh, your uh, highest form of incompetence yes that was called the peter principle before a certain I'm not going to say racist. I'm not going to say whatever. Um, Yeah, I'll let you make your own mind up about the cartoon character you know I'm referring to. Anyway, um, sorry, tirade there. But that thing about actually understanding that skills have a path, leadership is a skill. Culture is defined by leaders. And culture is how you make sure that everybody else can do their job. To the best of ability, anyway. Sorry, I'm, I'm rambling again. I'd love to know what you think about that sort of aspect of things.
1: No, no, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. And you know, it, 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 we, you know, I think one of the again the challenges uh, here is around learning and development and leadership development. Um, there's um, uh, the wonderful. Um, I'm going to say her name wrong now. That's terrible. Uh, uh, Mel, who uh, is uh, used to work at Silver Rain Games, who's now heading up Games Leadership Leadership Network, has you know addressed and understands this challenge, and that's what she was trying to do at Silver Rain Games as well. Was around kind of like okay, right? The games industry in the UK does not have anywhere near as much diverse leaders as it should have. Oh. And there's a few ways that we can go around, you know, solving that 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 challenge. You know, like we we look at the UK census all the time and and see how you know. Vastly underrepresentative. The games industry is many different areas, and we talk about the thirty percent of women currently work in the workforce, and I think twelve percent in from minority ethnicity groups. But that's across the entire industry. That number becomes much much smaller when you get to a senior leadership oh, much, level. Much much smaller, and especially when you look at things like class as well. You know, like the, the UK games industry is very very middle class. Um, you know, two two thirds of the of the UK workforce had parents who came from a managerial background. Um, And I think something nearly like 30% of the UK workforce went to either a selective or fee paying school. And the only industries in the creative industries that are higher than that are uh, architecture uh, and journalism um which you know makes makes sense uh um, it does so you know but when you when you start to look in senior leadership level the percentage of people who are working at c-suite director level in the uk games industry the percentage of those who are white middle class or who went to an independent or fee-paying school is astronomical it's a huge huge percentage the majority so the industry has this problem and this isn't exclusive to games either this is you know across various industries this is most industries this is the case um but for you know for, for games like this, the, the way that Mel kind of um, approached this challenge was either, you know, you know, we can't make games uh, diverse games leaders overnight, so we need need to either develop them from the ground up. You know and build them up or we need to take people who are from diverse groups who are already experts in their field bring them in and say we're going to train you up as leaders you know let's take a great narrative designer let's take a great concept artist and let's bring them in and help them build their team help them develop their leadership skills their management skills you know help them build the culture of the team um and and, and that's unfortunately just not happening at the moment and the tides no, but there are changing are, there
0: have been some attempts i mean uh, i mean for example i know tara uh, code coven and have been doing a lot of um work in the last few years to try and create a, an environment specifically for empowering uh, women in games which i think is you know really sort of smart that kind of sharing of knowledge uh, i'm very lucky that my business partner happens to be one of those uh, people who's been in a leadership role for most of her career, starting her own, her own studio um, straight out of university. Um, so, you know, I, I do feel lucky uh, that I'm in a situation where um, I happen to be, you know, our, our company is specifically uh, more balanced than most. Doesn't mean we're perfect by any means. Um, but I think that we think we want to make sure that I'll give you an example so one of the things I'm I'm a conversation I had with a, a Nina a friend of mine uh, on a previous podcast come came down to a slightly different end to the bit that you guys have been solving with kickstart which is basically as well as the problem getting people who have diverse backgrounds into games this getting people to that leadership role getting people to get to lead as in the technical lead or a um, uh, kind of uh, senior roles, that skill set, you know, advancement, uh, internal training, we feel is currently not absent, but not as well supported as it needs to be. So we have a, a kind of current industry-wide problem, I think, and I think exacerbated in the UK with Brexit, of um, we're not training juniors. To become seniors, seniors to become leads. Um, in fact, I've got a, a friend of mine who uh, was involved in designing the VGTR project. Who uh, we're, we're having chats about how we can find ways to help address this. I know uh, it's not really my thing, but I'll probably want to reach out to you at the time we get down the line on that. But my th- feeling is that there is a fundamental problem, partly down to the infrastructure we have as an industry in the UK, and specifically the UK. I'm thinking. Of. Namely, most teams are too small to have HR training teams. When you're talking about 15, 20, 40 people max for most studios in the UK, having a dedicated training team, no, impossible. Especially when they're disincentivized, I would argue, to train somebody up, because what will happen if they're trained up? Somebody with bigger pockets would go and hide them. I know it's not as simple as that. And hopefully your team are motivated by getting your game out. But at the end of the day, are we doing people a disservice? I mean, I'll ask you, what do you think? Do we Are we doing people a disservice? Because we're not providing a framework for you to go from nothing to in the games industry. From being in the game industry, in industry to being a junior to senior to lead. And then leadership
1: roles from there yeah i i definitely i definitely think so so i think you 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 hit on a really good point there about the smaller organizations and i do think that that is an an interesting challenge of its own because you know actually for us as an organization a lot of the time we see those smaller organizations actually putting in more effort than the larger oh, organizations to try and build an inclusive work culture to try and create vocational routes or entry-level routes into their organizations to support people with learning and development to be more ethical and caring businesses you know take yours truly the games pr agency for example they went through the entire process of certifying themselves as a b corp they're one of two organizations that i know of in the games industry that b corp certified and they're a team of i think around seven people yeah. um you know so these smaller organizations often are the ones who are actually doing this really interesting work and building these inclusive and, and progressive organizations. So I do think it presents an interesting challenge, especially when you think about in other sectors that, you know, businesses are normally, you know, you have people who are working in the development side of things, but typically you've got people who are very business savvy minded who want to set up their own small organization. You've got people who perhaps understand the ins and outs of running a business and the operations side and how you support your staff who've maybe come from previous startup backgrounds or worked in other organizations, whereas a lot of the time these games teams are kind of growing from just development right who just want to make something so often they're growing their development team they're building the game but they're not actually thinking about themselves as a as a business you know that actually has various different moving parts to it that need to be you know, organized and supported by someone. So it means lots of things are being done in various different little places by people, but you don't have one dedicated person who looks after the business side of things rather than just the making of the game. So I think that is an in, that is an interesting um, challenge. But I, I would say at the same time that, like, I, I think, you know, from an entry-level perspective, the, the sector is not doing anywhere near as much as it should be to its own detriment to bring in fresh entry-level talent. You know, um, I will... They're, they're, I will
0: defend us a little bit, only because I've got a vested interest in this defence. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> hey, you've got to gotta, gotta play the part you can. Uh, so, um, we're involved with a couple of uh, well, some in, uh, indie accelerator, uh, some accelerator programs. Uh, obviously, you've got people like Yuki and the Yuki one, um, uh, and Dan um, and various the people we know there, we're good friends with, who are running that one. Um, we're working with a team called Indie Lab. Um, in fact, Nina, I was referring to earlier, was one of the people on the Indie Lab program that we run and design, uh, working with the Indie Lab team. So, Indie Lab is actually a, an accelerator program that's come from uh, Film and TV, and they uh, got myself and Ella involved to help design the game-specific course. And we were about—we just announced. Well, they are in the process of recruiting right now for one being run out of uh, Scotland, so we'll be helping with that process as well. So. What I think is really interesting about, again, that is me doing my bit of pitching, but I mean, it's more that um, what I want to try and get across with this is I think that there are some things out there for startups. I think um, accelerator programs for startups are really, really interesting. And obviously, one of, some of the things we cover when we do that are things like culture and reinforcing that culture is the team and diversity is essential. It's not a luxury yeah, you know, it's not uh, about um, pandering in any way, shape or form, which I get accused of. Um, it's actually about doing the best person for the job is somebody who can provide the right voice. And that's not just about, you know, do they agree with you? In fact, the opposite. You know, I want people with different backgrounds. Now, we have those conversations in those with those groups. We also try to get them to think about what it is they're trying to be as organisations most important thing is what a success look like to you? And I think this feeds into what you were saying earlier about making sure that I think a lot of these indie studios that we are adoring, it's part of their identity, a part of what makes them have the chance to succeed is that they've spent time thinking about what success looks like to them. That isn't just the money. It's about being that ethical, that diverse, that supportive, that authentic organisation. are you you seeing the people who engage with you are reflecting in that or are you seeing challenges people accepting that that's an important
1: thing um so yeah, i think the, the accelerators is a good point that you brought up and obviously there's also um the the tentacle zone um yeah oh sorry yeah got payload, it. sorry
0: which is, apologies <laughs> i should have said that no, one as well no, yeah no, tentacle zones been, are great no, yeah, yeah yeah Is another perfect
1: example great. of a small organization yeah. going above and beyond to support the way the beyond yeah i've way, done a few know. talks there as well i think ella did one recently um yeah um yeah creative uk has a games accelerator program as well and they're very focused on the business that's side the of one things, i'm referring so. to actually yeah that's ah, the one yes, that they're okay, doing yeah. with
0: the UK guys um i meant sorry i should have said yeah uh england creative or uk creative whatever it is yeah
1: yeah and then as you said there's that the, uh um, there's an in, one there is one called indie lab and then there's also obviously the <laughs> like uk uk games uh, uh fund as well which is more about the funding yes. side but they offer business support and help businesses mature as well um yeah so there are all those things out there and i think super important but sorry i, I didn't quite understand your question sorry could you,
0: uh, oh i was just cool. saying um so obviously in these accelerator programs we think it's important that the they we get them to understand what success looks like and that that part of that success is the culture of their company part of that success is the authenticity and diversity that they represent Um, And it strikes me that you're probably going to be encountering more teams that get that than not because they're engaging with you. But I was wondering if you do get any pushback from people who don't quite understand
1: that um yeah we get a lot of pushback for the things that we're talking about and 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 generally there there are a lot of major organizations that do support our work and believe in what we do and believe in the mission themselves as an organization and in what we want to do you know there's a lot of as I said kind of you know we see a lot of energy and excitement and enthusiasm from the smaller organizations to try and do things a little bit differently to you know I think it's it's quite good as a you know as a games company because they're kind of they're born from this this you know piece of entertainment and art they're creating that i think kind of like they live and breathe a lot of the time authenticity and creativity and culture from the things that they're making naturally so i think you know games organizations are very good at like living and breathing what it is that they do and and letting people know publicly who they are and what they're about um but in terms of kind of the piece around like building a more representative sector and caring about those things and the culture being at the heart of um Uh, diversity and representation being at the heart of their culture I think that you know there's a lot of talk and uh, and not anywhere near as much not as as much
0: which is why why I was pushing the question to be honest I I, that was my um, um, bad form attempt to try and uh, push us into that, that that part of the way because let's face it we haven't been seen in the best possible light of late uh, and there are certain specific organisations we don't necessarily need to go into too much detail on because I'm not anyone to talk because I don't know their backgrounds. I don't, I don't. I can see the news items. I haven't had personal experience of that. I'm lucky. Uh, lucky. Sorry. Well, sorry. What am I I happen to be that age group, that identity that doesn't tend to get um, too much visibility of the hassle, harassment, frustrations, glass ceilings, etc but I know people who do a lot and um, I find it deeply frustrating and upsetting when I find out about these things Uh, when I witness people being dismissed in a room and I've had situations where you know we've walked into a room and someone says hello to me and then just ignores Ella you know that's not Okay, that's not okay. And I, okay, that happens everywhere. I get that, but it's not okay. So, do you think we're able to deal with that? Are are we dealing with an embedded culture that needs a serious kick, or? see i'm a bit more optimistic about it i'm just i'm laying out i want I want to give you a chance to talk about it um but let, let's come back because I, I i'm a bit more enthusiastic than i'm letting out at this point in time just to just to help lead you into the thought where do you think we currently are in terms of this um negativity and, and negative culture
1: um you know i think Things should be a lot better than they are, but things should be a lot better in almost, in likely every single industry and in most parts of the world. You know, that these challenges are not games industry specific. They're big societal changes there's only so much that we can do as an industry and as a sector to tackle those there's lots that we can do that we're not doing that we should be doing but many of these are big much larger conversations and questions that about society at large about how you know we support and empower those from marginalized groups to be able to realize their full potential and how we dismantle the frameworks of patriarchy to make sure that everybody has you know the 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 right opportunities at the right time so you know these you know and and in class as well you know how we how we break down class inequality and, and ensure that anyone from a working class background has the same opportunity as their their friend from a private school these are big, big questions that aren't exclusive to games. In terms of how games fares against other industries, I'm a little more cynical than you, um, naturally, given the work that I do. I think it's a twofold thing. I think in lots of places we're doing really, really well. So, you know, the games industry has a massive culture of social entrepreneurialism and volunteering. There are so many schemes and initiatives born from developers who wanted to see change, who have built successful organisations and social enterprises out of that. That doesn't happen everywhere. Um, and at the same time, we're one of, if not the only creative industry that at the moment maps its representation across the sector every single two years, um, which means that the the games industry and pe- those working in it have a very good vocabulary in terms of talking about the challenges of the industry, like how many women work in games, how many from minority ethnicity groups, how many from working class, like the words, you know, the things I'm saying now, like, you know, if I were and in the industry and talking yeah exactly exactly you know every single intersectionality most people have a really good understanding of where we sit which which i think does us a lot of favors you know like we can have this conversation and know that most folks who are listening to this aren't gonna aren't gonna be shocked by these numbers they're gonna understand them and know them because of the work of the UK census which other creative industries and out with don't do so so i do think we're doing well in lots of places i think The people who work in games do a lot of people do really care about change and about making big systemic changes and differences. They are building their own initiatives to make that happen where things aren't happening more widely. And people have a really good understanding of where the challenges challenges lie and for whom and then the other part as well is that the industry is very good at not pulling up the ladder behind it and giving back and sharing its knowledge to young people as well you know our work wouldn't be possible as an organization without the hundreds of volunteers that we rely on throughout the year to support that work in all of the different projects and initiatives that we run that again wouldn't be possible in other industries you know Something like the video games ambassadors, you know, that's you know, there's nearly a thousand volunteers on there who regularly support and volunteer on projects. I just don't, I, I can't imagine there being. a Yeah, I've been a bit like rubbish. So I I've signed up
0: ages ago. I've done a tiny amount, so I need to do more.
1: <laughs> uh, you do your own things in, in in other places and in other ways to support all of that stuff, so I wouldn't worry. But you know, I, I just I can't see, I don't see a culture in film that 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 would allow something like that. To be successful or a platform like that would be successful so the games has a lot of things going for it but it also has a huge number of kind of challenges and problems as well i think those will slowly over time be lessened as we do kind of build a more representative and diverse workforce but we can't rely on inspiring kids in schools to fix our problems now you know
0: no and i'm just checking so again i talked about how i don't I should also highlight that I have been in those situations where, I, like for example, one of the telcos I worked with, over five years, I had thirteen bosses, and I took two to HR for bullying. Uh, you know, so I might, I might look like this. It doesn't mean I haven't, uh, you know, the perfect, um, you know, seamless career path. Um, and I think that, um, that maybe that helped me try to see things in a different light because I don't want anyone who works for me to ever have to go through that again you know i've dealt with the um uh, the sandwich form of a um, uh, compliment true answer co- uh, compliment and the true answer being very negative um that that i've had to deal with a lot and and whilst that's not specific to you know uh diversity it is something i think every Cultures in any organisation to get the most benefit out of a person needs to understand about empowerment, needs to understand the difference between empowering and just chucking responsibility on people and also making sure that you can have clear communication and support. I think as organisations, we're not generally trained to be managers. We're not generally trained to deal with... um, Uh, difficult employees or difficult managers Um, you know we have to find ways of of learning those things I think one of the things that I'd like to see is to find ways that we can help people grow in fact actually we do this as it happens anyway we we do all of the stuff that we preach you and I preach about at this point when we talk about communities we look at what priorities are from community managers to reduce toxicity to increase product positivity to increase engagement I'd argue we're actually got a lot of the tools inside our organization inside the gaming industry itself and maybe we're just not learning enough lessons
1: from our own behavior I mean does that make any sense Yeah, I think definitely. I definitely don't think the games industry doesn't have the tools or the resources to solve its challenges for sure. And it's, you know, why it's frustrating often coming into conversations where people talk about the inability to start an internship program or to build new structures or support things in different ways. It's, you know, it's quite clear that there are the resources and tools available for organizations to do that. They're choosing a different path for whatever reason. So I definitely think the industry has the, the ability and the skills. It's one of the most highly talented, productive, hardest working industries in the world. So it certainly Absolutely. does have the ability Amen. and the knowledge to be able to solve its challenges for sure, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm not not denying that. It has some of the most intelligent, creative people on the planet working in games. So it's definitely not out with the, the abilities of, of the of the workforce. Um but um, yeah, there's just there are big systemic changes that need to happen, and organisations do need to rethink differently from from the ground up how they do things. You know, talking about things like, as you said, about learning and uh, learning and development and supporting diverse talent through the ranks to be able. I hate this military terminology. I'm going to not do that. You know, to to move up the ladder within an organisation. Um, you know, like that doesn't exist and isn't mature enough in the games industry yet and really should be. I hear a lot of stories from developers that I'm close with who've volunteered on things that we work with regularly who have said that they have to move studios to be able to get a promotion because their manager, you know, essentially they their manager doesn't have the tools or the understanding in order to be able to accurately and properly support the members of people in their team to be able to do their best work and to move up within the company. The company perhaps itself doesn't even have the the mature policies in place to be able to to actually show managers how people move up within the company, which means actually a lot of this time it's rely on luck and nepotism, um, which is why we're compounding these problems of having, you know, middle-class white guys in senior leadership positions because the managers are all uh, all middle-class white guys. So naturally, their friends are probably going to be middle-class white guys too you know the people that they're pally with after work so those who get promoted and move up with the company are those who are close personally not just professionally with their managers and people who are perhaps from underrepresented groups are less likely to get promoted we can see that in the um, in the skill search report and in the uk census where actually people from underrepresented groups are much more likely to either make diagonal moves to other organizations or to leave games completely and that's because that, i mean that being said to be honest
0: i i recognize that but how So I personally had to leave most of my jobs in order to get promoted or or other... In every case, that doesn't mean that's the right thing to do, by the way. I'm just, I'm just highlighting, I, I do recognise it. In particular, I recognise it from the point of view where there is an in, there is an inherent problem in organisations, no matter... Even big organisations, like, let's say, three. When I left three, they had to hire five people to cover what I was covering. Now, and that doesn't mean all of them were full five to i wasn't doing five people job back to back you know i wasn't doing that many hours but my, my point was more the when you have an organization and they become reliant on an individual it becomes very difficult for that individual to be promoted because the cost to the organization for promoting them is disproportionate and that is gonna happen it's gonna happen but it also highlights such a degree of importance that you you know you guys were were solving with the kickstart scheme where i think that we as an industry in general need to look at that junior to senior senior to lead and management skills as a separate track you know that's where roles like the accelerators i think all of these things together combined are such a critical way of looking at the way we operate and i mean we're i'd be just interested to see you know where are your where where do you look for for hope where where's your where's your aspiration because I, I, when i think about it i'm thinking about people like you know uh hutch or space Age or miniatonic guys and i know people there who you know the, the leadership that are just brilliant people who want to do the best thing by their teams you know we had um you know sean um uh give a talk uh, in fact we've had uh, sean and paul and and um uh, simon at space uh you know all talking about their experiences paul, paul didn't it's so rare to get Paul uh, from me you you know, to to talk but he did an amazing talk about mental health support just brilliant utterly brilliant um and really inspirational really but really get laid laid home to the point that um the cultural organization is not just a combination of people it's how we support those
1: but where are your, where's your, what What gives you hope? Oh, there are so many things in so many places. You know, I, I definitely have, in the time that I've become worked into games, become somewhat cynical about the sector and the industry because of its many challenges and how we face them all the time. And I think that the ultimately they're, isn't enough of an open discourse about the challenges and kind of saying up front here's what we're doing wrong and here's how we need to solve it but that doesn't mean by any stretch that i don't come across every day you know like organizations and people doing incredible things that do give me hope for the future you know i mentioned already like yours truly as a as an example i think that they're a shining example about how a small organization can really invest in 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 becoming a progressive organization they could just do things business as usual, take on clients, and ensure the big financial success of their organization. But from day one, they said we want to do things differently, and I think that's going to become more more true as time goes on. There's going to be more smaller organizations making an amazing name for themselves, and this is the amazing thing as well is that you know organizations actually kind of shooting themselves in the foot from a business development perspective, from not kind of putting a stake in the ground about the things that they care about. Because once you do that, people start to take notice of you, and you know everybody wants to work with you. Yours truly now you know they're you know really really popular and and brilliant organization and partly that's because they they kind of wore their ethics on their sleeve and said this is how we're going to do things and we're going to do things differently so small organizations like that give me a lot of hope and and also as i said you know things like the video games ambassadors the fact that that is still you know a thriving network of you know nearly a thousand people who regularly support and give their time to to educational projects across the country that gives me hope every single day you know like whether it may not you may not see it manifested in actual kind of you know the corporates and the big organizations you can guarantee that the people working in those organizations really do care a lot about um uh you know supporting the next generation of of talent and and in time those people will become more senior folks and People, those with who can pull the strings within organizations and or, you know, start to see some kind of bigger change then. I don't want to say too many names because if I say too many names of people or organizations, I'm going to feel bad about the people that I didn't mention. Like oh, I so, know.
0: And I, I, I fall into that trap all the time and I, I often say the name is wrong because I've forgotten the change name and stuff like that because I'm old. Um, but I mean, I think for me, what I find delightful is if you are... A, a, a established old form person like me um, who's been around forever there's something joyful about mentoring and supporting other people because not only do you get to see you know people flourish and and and, and thrive and and stuff like that but uh, you know and it's nice to get be a part of it but that's not the thing I learned so much about how to do my job better Because I'm talking to other people about how they do their job. And by having to try and talk to them strategically about how to take this bunch of my experience and apply it to their current circumstances. I'm absolutely transactionally working through what I need to understand to support them. Which helps me understand what I know better. So the next time I talk to the next person I do that better still. And also when I have to deal with that problem I do it better still. The learning that you get from being a supporter, mentor, etc. of for people, I, 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 I don't mean anything grand by any of that, by the way. You know, but the the value of that is disproportional. Not, you know, I love the fact that someone benefits, but if you want to be selfish about it, you're going to get you're going to benefit yourself at least as much by being involved in that process. In my opinion, um, is that kind of makes sense to you, how other people respond to it?
1: Yes, of course, definitely. You know, like it, the 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 thing that we always try and get across in a lot of the work that we're doing, and I think, you know, we really like, I think we are starting to move past this now of this discourse around like, you know, social impact work and supporting education, supporting entry-level, building a more diverse, inclusive industry, mentorship, leadership development, you know, all of this stuff is, isn't about just like doing good, you know, it's about, okay, well, I can, I can feel feel better about the fact that i've done something socially impactful today it's actually good for business i get bad exactly you know sure okay that's great and you know everybody needs those things to make sure that they feel like they're contributing to the world in a positive way so i'm all for that Um, i just think you know for us as well you know a lot of the conversation is you know people say oh you know we really want to support junior talent you know and it's like you you shouldn't just want to because it's a good thing to do you should want to because you're missing out by not doing it you know That, that that by not fostering a culture within your organization organization of volunteering and mentorship and and, and supporting social impact projects, you're denying people within your organization the opportunity to develop their skills further, to become a more confident public speaker, to become a more confident leader, to become a better mentor and cement their own learnings about their own work that they do, to then be a better mentor to people internally within their own organization, You know, to build a grassroots talent pipeline into the organization. You know, Those who had that in place pre-Brexit are gonna be happy that they had them then because it's gonna be a lot easier for them to find great talent um, Uh, domestically than those who've been relying on finding it internationally you know so all of this stuff is is good for business and obviously you know there's there's so much data out there and reports about you know how building diverse teams is is good for business in terms of fostering a more inclusive and healthy working culture and bringing more creative and interesting ideas into your organization. So, you know, we're beyond the point now when it should be about like, okay, this is just a good thing to do that we do on the side. It should be embedded in how you do business because ultimately- In fact, I'm gonna to to take it a little
0: in. further. So one of the things that I often hear people say, ah, but then you train these people up and they just go and leave you. Yeah, but if they leave you, as we've had people leave us, better skills more able more you know uh, able to get into those roles that they have always craved and they still feel great about you guess what that's where your next deal your next contract your next you know support the next investors are going to get coming from because by taking giving the people giving back to people giving giving to the team around you you're building a better connection with the rest of the industry. And when someone talks to someone who's worked for us, I hope, and I know it has happened, that they talk about us in the best possible light. And I don't, you know, I don't think that's a thing you can underestimate. You know, I know that there are people out there who will immediately say, talk to Oscar and I because we did this. And I think that is... This this illusion that we can hold on to people by not teaching them stuff, or hold on to people because we don't expose them to the, the industry, is nonsense. All you're doing is the people who are going to leave you anyway. Because if they're talented enough to leave you anyway, they will, because they're going to have their own dreams. Let's tarnish their time with you, with us. Let's make the most of it, and let's make sure that when they leave us, they think we, you know, they, they want to believe in us still, even then. And that is, I think, massively important.
1: Absolutely. You know, for us as an organization, we're accidentally, you know, a stepping stone into the games industry and into studio work, you know, um people come and work for us and then go off to do other things and you know almost every single person who has worked for into games and now works in in various studios and other places has been nominated or won a national industry award and we can take that and be like okay you know we're, we're helping develop talent and foster you know this this idea of how the industry should be and they're taking those learnings into other organizations and i i would you know i'd be lying if i said that that hadn't helped us then support other projects and things we have a huge number of people across the industry that don't work for us. That believe in what we do and actively support our work because we've built a reputation as an organisation that's kind and cares and goes the extra mile. You know, doing this work is 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 ultimately you know really good for business.
0: And at the end of the day, I think you just decide. You just describe what success looks like to you. It,
1: it, exactly, exactly. And 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 beyond that, actually, as well. You know, I think it, like if people are worried about how they're going to keep their staff, like just salary is not the only thing, right? You know, like if the, the skill search report that just came out a, few, a couple of months ago is the number one thing that people cared about um, in the games industry when they looked for a job was work-life balance. So there's more things that you can do in an organization to keep a hold of your talent beyond just paying them money. Things like, a, you know, Ex, you know, great yeah. maternity. Um, Let's get maternity on <laughs> Exactly, you know, like good, good leave. You know, remote working policies. You know, flexible hours. You know, all of these different things that are becoming the norm across more progressive organisations. When game studios start doing those, you've got you know studios like Bulkhead Interactive moving to a four-day work week. They not might not be able to compete with the might of some of the other or larger organisations and studios and IP, but you know they'll certainly be getting some brilliant people right now because they're committed as an organisation to giving their staff a good work-life balance which is actually the number one priority for people in and, games so, well so.
0: i have to say those studios that have been insisting on them going back to the office have really helped my recruitment i i thank them for that stupidity uh we're a fully re- remote studio oh i'm well, not studio but you know, probably should. but um the fact is that my recruitment's got easier since the pandemic because these crazy people think they can lock people in an office and get away with it uh, anyway, yeah, um, we are out of time I have to say thank you so much Brandon, for being part of that process I, um, really appreciate it is there one thing you'd like to you know, for example if somebody wants to get more involved in the video games ambassadors and things like that what should they be doing?
1: Um, oh, there's so many things, you know, the video games ambassadors for anyone listening who isn't signed up, it's a great first step to be able to just give back to supporting a fairer and more inclusive industry. And as we said, you know, a really great way to build your own skills as a developer or professional as well by, you know, cementing your own learnings about things, um, you know, keep an eye on what we're up to. Our strategy for the next two years is going to be out um, very soon over the next couple of weeks with loads and loads of ways to get involved in the work that we do, including some big, massive changes for the sector that we hope see in a big national consultation around skills development so if any of the thing that i've said over this last hour has sounded interesting and you want to learn more and support the work that we do just get in touch with me brandon intergames.org. it's the easiest way there's so many things that you can that you can do
0: uh, and i can't uh i can't but reinforce that um you know like i said my involvement hasn't been huge but i have been in dipping in and out of the slack group for a long time it feels like and it's always ends up being useful and there's some amazing people in that group and really supportive um please feel free to check that out Brandon thank you so much for your time and as I say this has been your Game Dev London podcast thank you very much for listening to us if you enjoyed this if you found this interesting please like subscribe uh, as Brandon said please check out intergames.org uh, and obviously if you want to chat more and and discuss more things with us then don't forget there's the Game Dev London uh, discord group as well so come and talk to us we are here a community of game developers who love making games and so without any further ado this has been your Game Dev London podcast Goodbye.